Hi, and welcome. This is Lee Siegfried, host of A Life Well Lived with Dogs podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we keep it real. We talk about dogs, living with dogs, life with dogs, dog training, and the full spectrum of the journey from puppyhood and beyond. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get to it. Welcome to Life Well Live with Dogs podcast with Lee Siegfried. I'm your lovely host. And here we are. Today's podcast is really inspired by some conversations that I had today and working with some clients today and just seeing <laughs> seeing such such goodness happen in the real life moments with our dogs. One of the first things we're going to talk about, and perhaps this entire podcast is going to be about, is called Welcome to My Dog Got Kicked Out of Daycare Club. So listen, your dog got kicked out of daycare which may be a subcategory of my dog got in a fight at a dog park. There just seems to be a lot of shame for pet owners around this. And I want to shed some light and I want you guys to more fully understand the world of your dog being in the care of other professionals and the environment. And and really, this is more a conversation of taking what you can from it. Like, what can you learn from this? So I had a client reach out on the gram today going, my dog just get kicked out of daycare. Ah, what do I need to do? Should I do some training? And often when a dog is struggling in that environment, it's not unusual for, for daycare. Look, daycare client, people running professional, well-run structured dog daycares, they want to see dogs thrive, no doubt. And as a dog trainer who has managed and run a daycare, a very pretty structured trainer run daycare, I have intimate knowledge. I know what it's like to to work hands-on in a pack of 30 to 50 dogs in a space indoors. I know the challenges I've been able to see firsthand, you know, who it's for, who it's not for, and just how running a group of dogs can be often more nuanced and complex that we like to give it credit for, or maybe think of it as, right? So first off, I want to acknowledge anybody in the professional dog care industry. Like much of the time, my pet professionals are they're really advocates for the dog, you know, and they are really, they're givers. <laughs> they like to make sure that the dog is well taken care of. And often just due to the nature of their experience, they have a lot more to bring to the table in terms of being able to see and identify and understand body language and, or maybe if a dog's needs are being met or not being met. And I would say the majority of pet owners probably not like benignly neglecting their dogs. If anything, we're maybe not hitting the marks of what our dogs truly need from us versus the quick dopamine hit of like, I bought the really cute cookie. <laughs> well, I mean, that's cool. I'm mean, nothing against cute cookies. I'm just saying that it's not a replacement for biological fulfillment, which could look a number of different ways for your dogs. So first thing, I just want to acknowledge that people in the pet care realm they're fierce advocates for the dog most of the time. Their pet professionals can range in terms of their skill set and and what their zone of genius is. So I d- would say like stay in your lane, and they they want to see dogs thrive. So anybody running a daycare does not want to see a dog miserable, overstimulated, shut down, getting increasingly agitated when the dog's in their space. Now, in some cases, it is like the dog's just tired. They've been there since seven. It is now five o'clock. They've had it. It's like going on a family vacation and you have to share a bedroom and maybe you're cool with it for a couple of days and maybe it starts to get a little annoying. So daycare can sometimes be a function of the environment might not serve your dog or perhaps it served your dog at one time under the age of two. Majority of the time what I see your dogs thriving in that environment tend to be under two. They tend to age out. 
Why is that? Well, I think their exercise and energy needs are usually higher. Their ability to defer and or learning social cues, it's not like that stops happening, but it's like they're more suggestible the younger they are. They're more able to deal or put up with things. Now, again, I don't want to paint the broad strokes that this is what it's like for every dog because it's not. Well, what I'm generally saying is I would see dogs under the age of two mostly in daycare. And the closer they got to two, it it tended to be a like, this isn't working. Or just the dog didn't have the exercise need. And or at that point, they might be good with like a midday walk or like a hike after work, you know? So as your dogs age, it's a natural progression for them to perhaps age out of an environment like that. Now, if your dog is rehearsing with some regularity, some (laughs) routine regularity, fighting, being possessive, aggressive, just basically arguments over claiming things, bowls of water. If there's toys in the daycare space, usually there's just chewies, sometimes space to rest. I'd say in my ideal world, a daycare where dogs are either cage-free and actually resting some part of the day is chef's kiss. But I'm not opposed at all to a structured daycare environment where dogs are there and then dogs are crated, provided that the dogs are actually able to rest when they're crated. So, you know, some facilities will talk about, you know, dogs have like nap time. If you have a room full of dogs in boxes with about 10 to 15 of those dogs going ape bananas vocal, nobody's napping. (laughs) Do you see what I mean, folks? Do you see see what I'm serving up? Yeah. Thanks. So if you get that, that call where it's like, um, ma'am, hi, is this, is this rockets mom? Hi. Hi, Rockets mom. Hi. Yeah. This is Lee from blah, 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 dog daycare. Hey, I'm really sorry, but you know, we've really tried to make it work here, but we did just have an incident, a pretty severe incident, which resulted in an injury to another dog. And, um, we're going to just play it cool the rest of the day. Unfortunately, he's no longer welcome back. So I'm really sorry, but it just doesn't seem to be working out. Click. I feel like there's that that moment where the pet dog owner's heart just breaks into a million pieces. But look, if you've ever received traumatic news, you can have a big visceral physical reaction. So I'm not, I don't want to like laugh it off here. What I want to shed light on is if your dog gets kicked out of daycare, here's all this means. It means the environment is not serving them or the structure of the environment or the lack thereof is not serving them or it's too overstimulating or your dog is stressed and is exhibiting stress-related behaviors that given the option to remain in that environment to continue to rehearse those stress-related behaviors could become a a bigger deal. It could kind of start to bleed into how they interact with dogs on leash, off leash, et cetera. Not always, but like once your dog begins to rehearse a pattern, it's sort of like that old, oh my God, going to sound a million years old, going to sound a million years old, guys. It's like that old ragu commercial. It's in there. Once your dog begins to rehearse a pattern, a motor pattern, there is a thing known as single trial learning, which means it doesn't have to happen a lot. This is why like when your dog chases a cat, feral cat under a car in the city once, they're like, they know how to do that. It's because it's so insanely reinforcing. (laughs) So insanely reinforcing that they're going to keep coming back for more. So if I have a Boston Terrier who starts to like get agitated at at the door around 3.30 when dogs start to go home and he's like butt biting dogs on the way out and that just continues to happen. It's just gonna get more rehearsed. Don't be shocked. You're shocked? Yeah, a lot of times what's happening in the daycare environment is there's sometimes the environment's just not serving the dog, right? And sometimes the lack of structure or just the dog's like, I'm over it or I'm agitated or I'm not really well rested or whatever. But having your dog no longer participate in an environment that wasn't serving them, like how is that a bad thing? 
usually I think the big fallout is a couple things. I think people go, oh shit, <laughs> I still have to work. What am I going to do with my dog? Ah, I'm going to come home from work and they're going to have energy. This is the worst. Chill. You're going to learn about like enrichment. You're going to learn how to do like a long line recall. You're going to take your dog to a park, maybe not a dog park or like maybe sparingly. Maybe you just need to dip into the park and then get in, get out. Okay. Or maybe you just need to hire a dog walker. <sighs> Things are always figure outable. Okay. Remember that pet people. Things are always figure outable. Secondly, I think this is also what happens. It's like a matrix bullet. Like you try to dodge it, but you're like, ah. And what's really also happening is you're like, oh no, does this mean I have bigger problems? I think that also is a thought. And no, <laughs> sometimes things are so well conditioned in an environment that they will, I mean, I did say the whole bit about like motor patterns are learned and retained and that's how it works. It is how it works. However, some things are so specific to the environment that you just don't have that dog in a pressure cooker type situation and you may not see the behavior. Now, if you have a dog running to your front door and barking and like biting people's ankles when they walk into your house and running to gates at a dog park and biting people's ankles when they, or biting dog's ankles when they walk in. And then you've got a dog that redirected on a handler in daycare and like held on to the, you know, like if there is a pattern of that happening in multiple environments, then, then yes, there's absolutely something to take a look at and it's time to get to work. It's time to like reel that in and not put your dog in a position to, to rehearse that. So this is where it's like, here's the good news. There's good news. Removal from an environment that doesn't serve your dog has your dog not rehearsing behaviors that don't serve your dog. I'm going to say that again if I can remember it. Removing your dog from an environment that does not serve your dog also prevents your dog from rehearsing behaviors that don't serve your dog. Or quite frankly, you. Like, no. <laughs> you do not need your dog getting hepped up all day and maybe like starting fights over like tennis balls. Like not a good idea. So that's the good news. So the good news is, is your dog is not in a situation where they're actually getting more and more crunchy about things. So it gives you the opportunity to reassess what you think your dog needs versus what they need or what you think your dog needs versus what they may quote really need. What I mean by that is reassessing needs is like, all right, I thought that it, this was like party time fun zone and my dog was having a blast and Wah, 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 wah. Turns out it actually wasn't that fun for my dog. Holy shit. That's so interesting. Like tastes change, right? So what may have served your dog when they were six months old does not look what it looks like when they're six years or three or 16 months even. And look, there are some dogs that are so solid in daycare, it would like knock your socks off. They actually can just be like cruising through and having a great time. Very middle of the road temperament, not too hot, not too agitated, roll with the punches, Middle of the road's like a great candidate for that kind of care. And you have a well-structured environment and your dog's there a few days a week. There's lots of downtime. You may never bump up against this, but the benefit of the environment not serving your dog really just sets you guys up for a lot more potential fun and a lot more potential exploration into like, okay, well now what? Well now, now it is time to learn how to properly play with your dog, fetch, wrestle, tug, toss a stick might be time to properly learn how to like leash walk or hike your dog or understand how to like take your dog on a training walk versus like a sniffing walk. I think that most people feel like the bottom drops out and they're going to be overwhelmed with the care of their dog or there's this idea that their dog needs eight to 10 hours of XYZ in order to maintain this thing. And they might not be wrong about that initially. However, when 
that care option is no longer an option. What you do have is something that feels real unsustainable real quick. Cause like, I don't know about you, but you're not quitting your job to like run your dog eight hours a day. Nor should you. You don't need to. You just need to learn how to assess what your dog needs enrichment wise and then what you could be doing that actually serves both you and your dog in a reasonable amount of time. And yeah, it's all good. It's all good. So surprise guys, the really good news about your dog flunking out of daycare or getting into a fight at the dog park. You're like, what? That's good news. No, listen, you get to learn about what no longer serves your dog and it gives you an opportunity to up-level the needs of your dog and your needs and like get to a good cozy spot. Dog parks, let's talk about the dog park for a hot minute. Dog parks can be perhaps even more complex than a daycare environment. And that's because you have a constant stream of dogs coming and going. So you don't have, I mean, you might have like dog buds at the dog park, but you have new and novel dogs, and there's not a lot of consistency there. You also have, ideally in a care environment, you've got one set of rules and everybody knows them, but in in an off-leash setting, you've got, it's like anything goes, right? It's like what that person may perceive as play, that person might perceive as not playful, and you've got to navigate that dynamic. Prior to off-leash dog, here's what I would really suggest, because I'm not going to give you the fake, here's what, four to five dentists, Here's what I'd really suggest. I'd suggest that at any stage in the relationship, you invest in building interest in you. You invest in a really solid weight. You invest in a really solid recall so that when you go into a complex environment, you've got some skills. Because I think what often happens is we go, oh, we've trained our skills, but not in a complex environment. And then we go into a complex environment and it's like, oh no, my dog's not responding here. And then it's like, well, have we trained? Have we trained for that? And if you're like, yes but it's in my backyard. Yeah, well, it wasn't with 30 other dogs around. So if your dog is finding those dogs more interesting, we got work to do, babe. So I would encourage you all to build that core skill set so that you have some foundational behavior to tap into and that you're working towards being able to have an ability to communicate to your dog in a more complex environment off leash. But yeah, if you've, you know, a couple hot tips for the dog park, don't let your dog run up to fences and linger and gang up and greet dogs. If possible, tell your dog to wait, pop your, you know, throw your finger on a, on a collar, call your dog back to you and do the same. Like you're basically creating space so that the dog comes in, doesn't get like crushed at the gate. That is where posturing definitely happens. And it's where things can get weird. So this isn't like, don't let your dog ever greet dogs at the fence. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you're trying to reduce incidents of aggression or posturing, and perhaps you've had a dog that's had some like hackily hairy eyeball moments, you're going to want to know that that's a potential for stuff to go down. The other thing is just casually move about the park. Remaining in one place often anchors the dog. Either they don't anchor to you whatsoever or they're like, yeah, you're on the bench. Bye. And they're doing their thing. Or, 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 or what happens is you're not creating the kind of movement that could cultivate a check-in. And a check-in is your dog being like, okay, I have to watch you. It's a shifty one. She might leave me here. And you're like, I would never. I mean, I might, but no, I'd never. Not today. Anyway, you're cute. You want to keep moving around the park space and see if your dog tracks your movement and follows. And you want to reinforce that. You want to praise it. You're going to want to like, you're going to want that to be meaningful and valuable to your dog. And I want a dog peripherally connected. I want my invisible leash to be there. I want my dog to be like, sniff, sniff, sniff. Hey, where are you? Or play, play, play. Or let's say they're like, woo! Like having the time of their life. And I'm like, hi, come here. 
not an ear flick, not a not a glance in my direction that I'm like, excuse me, okay, I'm getting closer now. And as I get closer, I always teach my own dogs that if I approach, it's intentional. And usually what I'm looking for is for them to be like, I'm playing, having the time of my life. I'm looking for them to be like, oh, hey, what's up? What's up, mom? I want to create engagement when I start to move in, okay? And that's very valuable on leash, off leash. Hey, what's in your mouth? And I'm walking across the living room. I don't want my dog to be like, oh no, she's approaching. Go, go, go guys. Like leaving a house party. Does anybody remember that? Oh my God. I have vivid memories of like really one vivid. I mean, a couple, let's be real. But one vivid memory of me sitting somewhere and somebody was like leaning on the back of my chair and I just got up and they fell. And I don't know. I think I like jumped out a window. No one was arrested. Everyone got home safe. It was fine, guys. It was fine. So what did we learn today, guys? We learned if you have become a member of the My Dog Got Kicked Out of Daycare Club, there's a lot of silver linings there. Don't take it personally. Don't make it mean you're the worst dog owner on the planet. I mean, if you want to make it mean that for like half a second. And then a good question to ask yourself is like, great, what can I learn from this? And maybe where did I see this coming? Like sometimes pet care providers are really great at having like precursory conversations that are mentally preparing you. This might not be working. Strike one, strike two, strike three, right? If someone's having the strikey strike conversation with you, I do think it's going to behoove you to seek training, but not because I expect the care provider to be suddenly implementing all this training you're doing. I think of it as a way for you to start to reconnect to your dog and to start to really see what might be there and to be way ahead of the curve should the care situation no longer be an option. I'd rather have you like rolling on a really solid recall so that you can get into doing other great things with your dog than to being like the double whammy of like, oh, he got kicked out of daycare. Oh, now I got work to do. Like, and if you're there, there's nothing wrong with that. I just personally like to be prepared. So we've learned that there's dancing in this conversation is more of a thought around, well, what what does my dog really need? And or okay, great. Now we've got the opportunity to figure that out and get that rolling. Dog parks, they're tricky. They're tricky. They're, you know, maybe I'll just do a whole episode on that. But I would say for now, keep it moving at the park, create engagement, cut your losses, get in, get out. You don't want to overdo it at a park type setting either. And I'd say that, you know, there's a lot of these, not a lot, but there are, there's a business model of like outdoor bar e kind of place, take your dog, woo, like dog friendly. What I'll say is that it could really, really work for some dogs and it could also be touch and go for others. So if you're taking your dog into an environment like that, keep your eye, advocate for them, keep them tucked under a table, throw a little salt over your shoulder. <laughs> More on that later. But yeah, I just... In lieu of my client reaching out today with the like, oh no, it's so, so easy to go down the like beating yourself up road and what did I do wrong? And it's really more you want to locate yourself in. Okay, great. This is like a blaring warning signal. And what can I now do that would make a huge difference to my dog? So guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. This is Lee Siegfried. If you're looking for training, if you're interested in training or getting a little bit more of this dog knowledge, you can check us out online at opbarks.com or on the gram at O-P-B-A-R-K-S at opbarks. What else? You can train with us online. You can train with us virtually, get in touch for some coaching or consulting. If you're local to us in Philly in the Bucks County area, pop in for lessons, classes, day training, board and trainer, or farm dog programs. They are some of the most innovative and well-run. I'd like to say in the world, I'm going to say that, I'm going to say that we have a very incredible team of talented trainers that I am honestly so proud of and and grateful to be in collaboration with. So guys, I love you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you soon.
Go live a life well lived with your dog.